You are now listening to Out of the Blank. We did just talk for like 10 minutes, so we're not ignoring that. But we're talking about art. And Aaron, welcome back to the show. I'm happy to have you, but sorry, we're going to have to delete that whole other part. To it. It's all right. It's fine, man. Look, it's cool. We're going to keep going on and talking about crazy shit anyway. So, But you, we were talking about your son had a podcast, and then your son has that going as well, too. And then you were talking about how, like, you say some crazy shit, and we started talking about the, like, it's really kind of like, Everything kind of seems like even back when I was a kid, if some if I would have found out my dad was on a podcast. Now, my dad was a radio person, so it was always like normalized to me because that was a part of my everyday life. You know, he would dress up as a guy drummer for Kiss, and then he would go up on stage as like the drummer for Kiss. That was very normal to me. But to everyone else, like what? And it was like this mind shattering thing. So with if you say like, oh, your dad, like I, Joe Rogan's kids are probably like it's normal to them because that's always been around them, even though that's not a common thing. It's like kind of being like the son of an actor or the son of a musician. Um, there's different levels of fame compared to different levels of art, which through the painting I've started to do recently, and I've kind of started to appreciate more things. For instance, when you create a blade or you create some type of knife in your shop, you know how hard it is to do that. But then someone else just sees it and they're like, well, I got to cut my carrots with it. And that I, I ended up slicing my finger. And you're like, you don't even know how long it took me to carve that knife out, all the pain I went through to make that thing. Everyone just sees the final product. And I think for a lot of kids or a lot of people now, it's hard to appreciate those important things that really fall into line when it comes to the objects that we use on an everyday basis. You know, everything becomes normalized where you really lose appreciation for a lot of stuff. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, you hear uh, kids of actors are like, oh, I didn't know my father was famous. I've never seen his movies. You know, it's kind of that kind of deal. You know, you growing up and I think you told me something about your Sebastian Bach. Oh yeah, the composer. Yeah. Or no, you it's were... Sebastian Bach is the composer. Sebastian from Skid Row. Yeah. Weren't you something with him? My no, my um parents were friends with him, and that's where my middle name comes from. That's right. I was gonna say you're named after, but I'm like, I that don't doesn't sound right. But yeah, that to me that's awesome. But I I I've, I tried to follow him on Twitter to let him know. And he's just super into like, wear your fucking mask. I was like, nope, sorry, bro. I can't, I just, I can't, that you're too much. You're too much. Oh, he is too much. I, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the ones where that was my time in music. So I kind of dig that, but yeah, nobody really likes Sebastian Bach, but it's still an awesome story. Well, it's hard because the, so it goes down to the fame thing that I kind of get like obsessed about. I've been thinking about it a lot recently because there's different levels. There's, would you prefer actor fame, musician fame, painter fame, or sports fame? Because depending on what sports you're in, you might be like, I, I know people that come into my gym and this woman was like, oh yeah, I, was, I played professional basketball. Um, I was actually went to Japan over turn. I was like, you, what are you doing here? Like, you should be like a billionaire. She's like, you know how many, like how much money you get paid to be a woman's basketball player? 
And I was like, is it not that big? She goes, it's only big in Japan. Like nobody cares to watch it over here in the States. They prefer regular basketball. If they're going to watch basketball, I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. She goes, yeah, but I've traveled all around the world done all these competitions. I'm like, that's like being in the Olympics. If you're in gymnastics, they only care to watch gymnastics in that event on the Olympics. And then the rest of it, like they had that meme where the girl was like, I, I, I placed gold in the Olympics. And then the next day she's at her Panera Bread job. And it's like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, oh yeah. No, that's weird, isn't it? Everybody thinks that even like for me being on that show for a minute, they're like, oh, 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 you must this or that. I'm like, no, no nobody knows who I am. I'm just a guy that does stupid shit. I don't know. You're Aaron from Noble Savage Forge, and then you're also Aaron from Out of the Blank Podcast. That is a fact, Jack. Shit, <laughs> um, But yeah, it was just one of the things growing up. Like, my kids have no interest in tattoos and piercings. You know, I've, I've got most of my body covered. My kids, you know, they're just different things. Like, like the art thing your phone is slowly like tilting backwards you notice it i was like why is he getting smaller but do you think that's because it's the times are changing or do you think it's because it's kind of like a skip a generation thing you're never as much as like your dad is you're more like your great grandfather is so if you're about tattoos and piercings and your kids aren't about it maybe it's because then their grandkids will be about tattoos and piercings they probably will, you know, when they see grandfather looking the way I do. But like I even told you, we, we've never held anything back from our kids. You know, we've talked about drugs and sex and everything openly. So they know what to expect when they get in the real world. I've been very open about it. Do you think that's why they never pursued it? Like, that's my dad's thoughts too. My dad gave me unlimited freedom when I was a kid. He was like, just make sure you come home. And then I never had like the wantingness to go explore farther. But I also think I'm also deterred from a lot of like drugs and things because every drug I've ever tried, I've had a very bad interaction with that has probably ruined my experience for the rest of the Mm. time. I think so. You know, we've given we're helicopter parents on top of everything. So we're always with them on everything they do. You know, we're totally supportive. Hey, whatever you want to do. If you, and I've always told them two things. If you don't do Coke and wear protection, other than that, anything else can be fixed. Sounds like a bumper sticker. I know. Might be the worst parent ever, but I don't know. But, you know, we've just been open. Like I told you, like we're saying, this is the other shop. This is the art studio. And when you sent me the painting the other day, I'm like, I don't think we've talked about when, like I used to be represented by galleries as an artist. What, um, what form of painting were you into? Um, mostly like a mixed media Dadaism. Okay. Yeah. I've heard, I just heard Dadaism recently. What is that exactly? It's kind of, uh, it was World War I-ish era where it went from realism to surrealism. A lot of mixed media, a lot of trying to break the mold of the realists. 
So we, we mix a lot of stuff up. Do you think that forms of art, like, cause for me, I'm starting to get more of appreciation for it because I can actually understand the amount of effort that goes into it because I've experienced it. Do you think that even though attention spans or what seems like uh, the kind of the trends keep us moving to bigger and different things, do you think it's going to totally kill out the aspect of paintings or more of like handcrafted things? Or do you think it's going to bring back more of an appreciation for it? Like a nice sculpted sea turtle, like a wood sea turtle, like that's fucking ace, man. I think it'll come, it's going to come, it's got to come back. Everything comes in cycles right now. It's just a different thing. I don't, you know, we've talked about the world and how much it's kind of a bummer right now. You know, nobody wants to leave the house. Everybody's online. Everything's social media. Sooner or later, it's all going to come back and it'll be more organic and analog at some point. I heard so many people talk about, I wish the internet would just go away. And then when Instagram and Facebook kind of went down, it was like, wait, I didn't mean it. Because you start to realize like Facebook and Instagram kind of captured a giant chunk of why people are on the internet, much like YouTube kind of does or some type of like streaming app. But it's a sense of like, it's very like, because it's weird because I was watching a Mike Tyson video of his old boxing days. And it was like something from like 19 something that he was boxing in one of his matches. And they had a conspiracy idea that went with it. And it was a person holding an iPhone at one of Mike Tyson's like young first starting out matches. And like, this is a conspiracy where they think this person invented time travel. And then there was that article of the guy who said he's time traveled. It was that guy that they think it was. And I'm like, ah, man, I just start looking at things like, yeah, the iPhone now just seems so bland where they're talking about a guy having it 20 something years ago. And I'm looking at it like, but what's time though? Because time mm -hmm. right now, 10 years ago, there wasn't really even an iPhone. And that's when we start looking at how fast everything is taking these giant gaps. It's kind of like running up the stairs, but instead of doing one at a time, you're skipping like two and then you're skipping three and then you're skipping like five, like you're seven feet tall. Well, you know, it, it, see, and I love conspiracy, but it's all just a bunch of bunk. Now, if the guy that invented time travel went back and was found with an iPhone, it's the butterfly effect. That guy would know better that he couldn't do something that didn't exist, or that would change everything from the point, that point on in our minds, in this string theory. So, well, you know, it, they say if they ever create a time machine, you're never going to be able to go before the time machine was created. So the only time you could travel is back to the point the time machine was invented. So you could never mess up, I guess, history in a way. But then you start like looking at like what history events would you want to change? I don't know. See, I don't label that one as a conspiracy. I label that one as like science fiction. But what's science fiction? They just launched William Shatner into fucking space. He comes down and says the Earth's not flat. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, we're living in a damn movie. Dude, uh, see, it's that kind of thing. People actually want to believe the Earth is flat. They want to believe that uh, what's the what's the, some of the any of the other ones 5g yeah all these nonsensical things man there's always going to be that guy out there but you know it just big uh burns my ass 
I just think you spend all these years or generations feeling the need to conform or feeling like you have to conform. And then now you just have the results of that, which is a bunch of people that just don't want to, that are refusing the situation or refusing everything. I mean, I've had an episode, I think it was called father of the year where I played a KGB agent, Yuri Bezmenov, who talked about Russian insurgents, like a KGB tactic. It's a 20 year process of causing a country to literally fight amongst each other and basically decentralize or kind of destroy themselves from the inside it's a lot what's happening now and that video is from 1984 i'm like looking at it like man these conspiracies are these ideas that people have i'm like it might just be a generational pushback like you start seeing like every generation wants to be better than the generation before them but for how long has always said well it's the baby boomers faults or it's these people's faults or this is why this didn't happen because of this generation fucked you and i was like maybe that's why we have a lot of generations now that are just completely the opposite and it's kind of like unplanned parenthood you don't have a plan for this generation of kids because they're so uniquely different from you know even what is it gen z's or am i gen z i don't think i'm a millennial I don't know. Or I can't keep up. I, like, I think you're Gen Z. I'll say because the millennial cutoffs at like 93 or something like that or 90, 98. No, 96. So then I would be, I guess, Gen Z. But then if I'm Gen Z, then what's the new? There's like Generation X. There's Why do they make the names so damn difficult? I don't, dude, I'm Gen X. And my kids would have overlapped between millennial and Z somehow which i it seems weird that life's going this fast but oh god we're gonna blink and we're all gonna be dead oh yeah dude i'm 50 you don't look 50 you look good thank you thank you maybe, maybe it's because you're rocking the um like god damn what's his name i want to forget his name ah uh, no no who's the guy that always wears denim always all denim denim suit what Damn it. Come on. I will not, it's not Chevy Chase. He has a giant chin. Jay Leno. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The no, man like in Jay denim. Leno. Yeah, denim. You like Jay Leno? Oh, wearing denim and drinking Miller Lights at 11 in the morning? Come on. That's a good life, though. I mean, that's you have no you have no other plans of any importance later. I have. Yeah, like I might cut the grass. That's about the extent <laughs> of my day. It's even better when you're drunk. You get up. You start waking up in the morning like, damn it, I missed so many spots. I wouldn't be drinking at 11, but it is five o'clock somewhere. But every time we talk, it's always early. And I'm like, I'm going to drink beer on this podcast sooner or later. So I decided today's the day. Come off cool and edgy to all the youngsters out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Straight up. 50 year old alcoholic. <laughs> if you could do one, if, if you could do one thing differently in your life, what would it be? I think I would actually two things because it could go either way with this. I would have either conformed as a child and went along with society and got the job and the nice house and made the money and all that, which I'm glad I didn't. Or I would have stuck to my guns more as a child and went, yeah, skateboarding is the future. When I was told that it was gay and I shouldn't do it. And then next thing is skateboarding is the future. When I was that age, people were making money. 
or I'm going to be an artist and didn't do it because I went and had to get a good, get a job. Then I, if I would have stuck with being an artist, you know, those, if I would have stuck with the things I believed in and thought were going to be something more, I could have went so many different routes. But do you think you'd be the person you are today if you still maintain those goals or those things that you wanted to do? Like, do you think you would have the freedom that you would have today? Because fame isn't freedom. Anything you want to do now that's in the eyes of the public isn't free. People gave Tony Hawk shit because he put blood into the original skateboards that he was creating for his thing. They said it was like demon stuff. I'm like, Kiss did that a while ago. They all put their blood into the original 100 comic books that they made. But it seems like now it's like, Everyone's either looking to chop somebody down, which I know we've talked about before, but it's like, I think that changes who you are. Like you say, like you talked about your daughter saying you might get doxxed for something. And I was like, yep, you're, you're you though. You're not a hateful person, but you say stuff that, and the culture is so changing. It's hard to stay up with the times of what things are. I didn't know LGBTQ changed over to LGBTQ squared. I had no clue. I thought it just randomly, someone says it's actually, and they corrected me. And I was like, I did. I don't know. I'm just. I, I'm me. I do my, my. I do my thing. I don't care who you are. If you're whatever, I don't care if Wait, you fuck the fit. It's something. I this times two or something like that. I don't know. You're gay times two, or you're two things of that. God damn it! Now I gotta look it up because this is a sense like a pansexual topic. kind of. Oh, see, my daughter's gay. This is and I support LGBTQ. Me and my wife, but I've never heard squared. Okay, so similarly, LGB, LGBTIQA stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer, and questioning, asexual, and many other terms, such as non-binary and pansexual. In Canada, the community is sometimes identified as LGBTQ squared, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and two-spirit. The hell is two-spirit? Uh... <laughs> Hang on. All right, come on. Two spirit is a modern pan Indian umbrella term used by some indigenous North Americans to describe native people in their communities who fulfill a traditional third gender ceremonial and social role in their cultures. Oh my God. I'm so not, now... I don't care. I, do, I don't care about it. I'm just, I don't have the time. Like, like I said, there's too much information out there to always stay on top of it. My illusions were shattered when I realized I'm not going to understand it all. Can we just find out what's in the Vatican archive? I'll keep going back to that until the day I'll I die. For so cultural appropriation is now under LGBTQ Z, whatever. Are you telling me or are you asking? I don't know, I think. So if you culturally appropriate somebody, you can tell them that you're squared spirit being and you have to be accepted. This is how a show gets canceled. I know. This is how I get doxxed. <laughs> There's going to be a documentary about Aaron. Dude, I, I can't help it though. Like, because at my age, and with, I like, hey, my daughter's gay. My best friend that I lived with for years, flaming homosexual, and he'll call himself that. The best man at my wedding huge homo i love gay people but there's just a point of like it's too much i can't i can't deal with it i can't it's you're somebody i love i'm not going to dead name you if that's a thing to you but look man you're gay i'm not giving up 
I want the rainbow. I'm not giving the rainbow back. It's mine. I, it's everybody's. You can't just have it. You know, it's growing up using the word fag towards your friend only meant that he didn't want to jump his bike off the big ramp. Yeah. You know, I'm not giving it up. Those are my terms from my childhood. You know, retard didn't mean the kid down the street that was all messed up. You can't say that. It was your buddy. Aaron, Aaron, what are you doing to my show? I'm not. I'm just saying there's things that I am not willing to give up. I think it comes. See, this is when I've been getting into, like I said, the government stuff a lot, because I think this is something that's been systematically kind of like. We're just rejecting it. And I think that's because it's like we talked about before, a generation of people that haven't fit the generation before it. There's so much exposure now. Like I just watched Joe Rogan talk to that chief medical guy from CNN. And literally everyone has talked about how they lied. Like the CNN medical chief talked about all the wrong things that they've been saying that they never looked into. And fucking CNN spent their whole entire next day talking about it. I'm like, Everyone just saw CNN's bullshit. Like we've talked about it and we had whispers of it, but it's kind of like the Catholic church. People started investigating into it and realizing there's all that pedophilia that's going on in there. I'm like, wait, this is real. It's like, there was a stereotype about it for a hundred something years. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's real. We need to start. Look, I want to know what's in the Vatican. A hundred percent. I can speculate oh, on yeah. the things that are in there, but I, I think this is like, it might have started with like when marijuana first became illegal. That guy, what is it? Uh, Azov Hearst, uh, Rockefeller, no, uh, Hearst, Hearst, yeah, Hearst. When he banned it or lied to everyone to ban hemp because he was going to lose millions of dollars with all the paper and all the trees that weren't going to be used because they're going to start using hemp, that led into the anti hippie movement where people were saying that hippies were psychopaths because the government was drugging them, and it's like all it's like when the lie started like now we're seeing like the realization of it all because i think technology or maybe it's the algorithm these algorithms are insane dude if you look up like a car accident video because you like to see road rage the road rage video video leads from one person accidentally bumping into someone's car to a car getting hit by a train so next thing you know you're watching some dude get hit by a train so next thing you know you're and the algorithm just keeps taking you down these long ass rabbit holes where you can't get out of it and it's slowly like messing with your mind a little bit where you're not only staying more time on the device but you're falling into some weird weird loops and rabbit holes like they think that some of these algorithms actually might have incited a lot more of this capitol hill riot stuff and it's like 100 what the fuck well that's uh, see that's where conspiracy has not been has taken from fun you know to kind of ridiculous the q thing and all that other shit when i was coming up in the 90s 80s 90s if you wanted to find a conspiracy, you had to go to the like local bookstore, record store, the small mom and pop place. And I was that guy going through the albums, looking for the coolest thing with the coolest cover. But you'd have like fanzines and little mags that people did. And that's where you got your conspiracy theories. Like you had to hunt them. They weren't handed to you. And it was a lot more fun trying to find that stuff. Now it's just every psychopath in America has got some kind of conspiracy theory towards some bullshit that doesn't exist. You know, it just, is, some, is there a, just a little bit of truth? Sure. 
but it's ridiculous what some people come up with and believe it. Well, it's just so hard because like after that CNN thing, it's like you, you saw them actually legit lie. And then they people start going like, what, what else did they lie about? And now it's gotten to this point where it's like everyone's become, I think it's because there's used to be a professional job of being a journalist. Now, anyone that has a type of platform, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a thing as journalism, I'm not a journalist. I'm not going to tell you what's real. I'm not going to tell you what's not. I'll let you find it out for yourself, but I'm going to tell you things that I've seen. And then you take it for what it is. And then we have a, con we could joke about it. I don't care. I love entertaining conspiracies because they give me a new perception on how someone views things. I don't necessarily believe them. I don't necessarily believe that aliens are here. I think it's UF. I don't, I think it's like government tech, but mm -hmm. when you hear these people talk about it and they're so in belief of it, when I start to put my foot down is when they start becoming aggressive and they start becoming violent because once you usher in that aggressiveness or that type of feisty behavior or anything like we're not going to stand for it anymore. I get it. But this is also a reason why protests don't really work because when you end up becoming violent, that's when they get shut down and shit doesn't happen anymore. You need to stick with the main goal of what you were inspiring to do, which is actual change. And sadly that does come from peaceful resolutions. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like the like thing for with Rogan. Oh dude, you can't say that, man. I can't say that. No, I got to. Okay. I got to write that down. You can't mention the name of that. YouTube takes it down. So. Oh, son of a bitch. It's okay. I'm going to have to, I think, okay, we're about like, all right, I got it. I got the time down. Keep talking. Damn it. All right. Um, yeah, I got, it. I, I can't remember where it. Damn it. That was so good. I have, to, I have to time it now. This is how this is what the world's gone to. And this is what I don't like. What we talk about censorship. That C230 bill, that Facebook whistleblower actually might be a government uh, paid whistleblower. Her account was created in October and she had a verified check mark by October 5th. And then really? she had 80,000 followers by October 5th. Now, I've never even heard of her or seen her before. She exists, but she actually might be paid because she wants to help pass the C230 bill, which is censorship increasing censorship which mark zuckerberg's for and it's like if you're exposing a man for how evil his company is wouldn't you not want to be on the same side as him as passing a bigger censorship bill so now only certain companies have the uh, controls to the censorship so if they don't like anything you say they can easily ban it i don't care if it's their platform they have the right to do that but then now you've become so big you're manipulating thoughts it's like journalism used to be about integrity you wouldn't talk about a story and even having to print a retraction is the worst thing you could possibly do. It ruins your career. We saw in Spider-Man 3 when Eddie Brock got his career ruined. Mm -hmm. But now it's like they print retractions a couple of times and then now they'll just do it and nobody will ever see it. They do it a lot now. I really, you know, it, mm, yeah, it, there's no, journalism is terrible. It used to be so, like, it, you could strive to be a journalist and it meant something. Now it's just, every it's just pushing buttons there's no actual real journalism like like sanjay and how everything was a lie and all that which i man it's hard for me because I, I i don't want to choose a side on any of it but like with the the thing and the other things that were lied about and i won't say them because i don't want to have to <laughs> Have you take it down? Um, 
but would you accept having it go back to before you knew about all this type of stuff? Like I tried to think about this before I got really down into this rabbit hole. Would I accept going back to where maybe art or paintings were just more of a thing? You know, maybe like we enjoyed that culture. There wasn't video games. There wasn't a cell phone. There wasn't all these things that even I had. So I barely know what that's like before the first computer. Would you accept going back to that? Like what made you stop doing art? Like, or I guess paintings. Uh, I, man, it was, I got tired of, because I'm not a trained artist. I have no other than I love art and I just have a good sense of aesthetics. Um, you know, I was doing gallery shows and I. No, the way you did your hands, I wasn't telling you to move your camera. The way you did your hands, like I have a good sense of aesthetics and I just pictured you cupping a few. <laughs> yeah. Dude. So I like, especially the, in the art community, once you start doing gallery shows in that you're more of an outside artist to where you have no education in it or any ties to collegiates or anything like that, you're automatically looked down upon. So there was a point of like me having gallery shows, me selling, me being starting to being known a lot more and the blue bloods and the classically trained artists then started to point fingers and backstab and do a bunch of shit so i was like fuck it i'm out i just quit my career so do you think that like it was necessarily just something you just didn't want to add as it seemed more of an extra hassle rather than something that you just wanted to do? Because I think that's what ruins a lot of things is that might, maybe it's the group, maybe it's the community, maybe it's just the certain aspects that you've now invited into the door, not knowing what the risks were. I was like, if we knew more about risks, we see the opportunity, but we don't know the risks that come with that opportunity. And a lot of people take the opportunity, but don't really want the risk. You know, it's funny when you say risk, because it's, there's a thing that, at least for me, um, I went from never doing real art to gallery shows within a year. There, the risk that came along with it, you see the, the, the artist depressed and haggard and drug addled and all these things that come along with artists. That is for me one of the things that happened i would i went full bore my mental state was a mess by the time i was done i was everything i i had my entire soul went into those paintings and there was like i had to do i, I basically wrote novels with my gallery set so all the paintings would have a storyline have a poem have a thing that went along with it it was, it put me in a black, in a really dark place. Most people, when they create art, they feel happier once they get done doing it, but you actually felt like you were losing a piece of yourself each time. Like the pain actually oh, I, helps yeah. you. No, I lost my mind. Yeah, it was, it was like someone, a writer just losing their shit after they write something. Because they went down such a deep hole, they became someone else, they had to become this whole other persona. It was rough. But I'll blame it on the shitty people that got mad because I was doing something. 
do you think that it just unlocks something about yourself? Like, I think we all have something we're extremely good at, but we all have something that not necessarily we're extremely bad at, but might be extremely toxic. And I think you think that might've been for you. What painting is, is kind of like, it was more toxic to you than anything. It might've be good art, but it, it also kind of, are you willing to accept the risk of creating good art and then losing a piece of yourself within it and not necessarily in a good way, in a bad way? I think that was kind of what it came back is I couldn't, it was, and it was good. I like, I always, I, I have the art I've done is maybe not exceptional, but it, for where I am and the time frame, it was better than average, but yeah, it broke me. It took it, it like, it was almost possessing to where you were, filtering this demon through you onto this paper it was faustian do you think that because that relates a lot to like amy winehouse or whitney houston or people that have like went through like severe drug marilyn monroe biggest conspiracy of all was she drugged was she you know was it was it the kennedys i don't know but you start to realize all these people that really suffer like Robin Williams suffering from, I mean, Louis body syndrome, but also at the same time going through a whole mess that you really don't get to see. And it's like Vincent Van Gogh man was, I have the starry night painting over here in my studio and, you know, he chopped his ear off and gave it to a prostitute. You start looking at like the most depressed people create some really great things, but they never get to enjoy their fame or their luxuries of getting to that point. I mean, Lincoln park, you know, the singer from that, hurt uh, killed himself and you listen to his songs now and it's like you hear like the pain in it that i don't think a lot of people were knowing so is it like screaming into a void and nobody's hearing you or is it a factor of you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel to really enjoy all the people screaming your name around you uh pain makes really good art and finding that pain and digging really deep down and finding that little girl inside you that got beaten up and was told to never come back and them coming out and telling you what needs to be on that painting or what it needs to be or what the storyline is. It's devastating, man. Everything from your childhood that you just shoved down and told never to come back finds its way up. Would you be safer if none of that ever boiled up to the surface, or would you be safer that if it did and you were able to get over it? It's like I taking acid, think... man. When you take acid, you don't know the risk of, is this going to be the trip that fucks me up for the rest of my life? That's kind of like what confronting your emotions in a way is. Is it, Are you willing to let all that shit come up and see if you can handle it or put, shove it back down and pray to God you never unlock that trunk again? You know what? It may have been the best thing for me. That way, you know, I did get it out. And then I went through a couple of years of therapy and then I had to reassess my life. And, you know, that's when I decided, hey, I'm going to make art that's utilitarian. I want to make these knives and this blacksmith stuff that people can love and it's still art and people can actually use it. You know, it just, it, it was a demon. It was terrible. But there's other people that, man, art is lethar or cathartic and it helps them and they make beautiful stuff. Mine was not beautiful by any means. It was dark and it was 
broken pieces of souls and it was it was pretty ugly but it made a point it made i had people cry over it. but do you think that it, you you only didn't like it because it's your art like i don't like anything that i make even though people say it's pretty good but i'm like i don't think so because it's basic shit it's nothing like bob ross style but maybe it's because i have unrealistic comparisons to a person that's been painting for like 40 years and i've only been painting for about a month no no you have to have that unreal unrealistic view of the two the juxtaposition because if you don't you're never going to progress because if you're satisfied with a month in that's what it's going to be the entire career if you want to make more, better, and beautiful art, suffrage and pain. Or not. Maybe it's a positive thing. I don't know. For me, it was not. Was this art thing before you had kids? No, this was about 15 years ago. I, how, moved, I just moved down south. How was your youngest? uh 18 okay so was that do you think that was a lot of pressure that you were dealing with was maybe you were spreading yourself too thin um no no it was i gave up everything at about 23 and went from being like rock and roll guy to a shirt and tie guy for 15 years I was running multi-million dollar restaurants. No tattoos, earrings, nothing. Just a guy that went to work running restaurants. Did you prefer the paycheck over your own happiness at that point? No, no. Like 20 years ago, my last year, I was making 70 Gs running restaurants. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's a, that's a lot of money. Yeah. No, it was horrible. I don't know where any of the money went. It was not worth it at all. So when I quit that, moved down south, I decided I was just going to make a painting for the house. Next thing I know, within a year, I had a gallery show. That's so weird because I think like everyone always says life works out in like mysterious ways, but that's like the weirdest thing where it's like you could have taken off with it, but then it was a toxic thing. So it's like you're choosing your own happiness over being successful at possibly an artist career or something, but it's just a weird time it was was just a bunch of oppression that built up over 30 years of my life of doing what everybody else told me i should do do you feel that and then i quit doing it well do you feel like you fit into a spot now with what you're doing like when 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 blacksmithing Mm -hmm. took off like what was the introductory to that that just goes straight from art yeah it was about a year after i quit art and i'm just like I need something as an outlet and I just kind of just started messing around and it just kind of evolved. And the biggest thing that evolved out of it was a fraternity of other like-minded people all over America that I wouldn't have never thought I would have met. And we all have the same kind of outlooks and the same interests in the art community. It was, a lot more backstabby and you had a lot of people with a lot of money and you were just there kind of their dancing monkey you know they loved coming and seeing me 
because I'd be the guy drinking beer and having a great time. But I wasn't the guy they'd want to hang out with. But the blacksmithing is a whole different bunch of people. Do you think it's just because like, because you talked about fate in a way before. I know when you talked about like you did the blacksmith thing and then you had something where it said you thought you're going to be on a show or something. And then I reached out to you to do a podcast episode. Yeah. Um, well, it's like the because I, I was on Forge and Fire. And it, things fall into my lap. Strangely, like the art thing, uh, like the television show, like the podcast, like all these things just kind of fall into my lap. And I can't explain it, but, you know, it's just kind of the way my life is. Do you think it's more on the concept of, like, you like to play the lifestyle thing of just floating? Kind of like floating, like, let let things just work its way out. You kind of just be along for the ride in the concept. Because you see a lot of people that fight against the tide. And that's kind of like where you see them still flailing around in the same spot after years and years and years. And you strike me more as a person that kind of lets things just fall into their lap. And we're eventually going to get you into our horror film. I know that's what you want to do, but. Oh, hundred percent. You just, I think that's like, it's interesting what you said. Like you're the type of guy that people like, like there, but don't necessarily want to hang out with. Like to me, you seem like a really cool person. I would like to grab a beer with for sure. But I can understand that is because a lot of people are kind of one minded in a sense that they got to do or find people that are going to help advance them to the next stage. And you're more about the type of like, I'm just going to let it come my way if it does. I'm very karmically, whatever happens, happens, happens for a reason. Even when bad things come up in my life, in our family, even with my wife, it's the same thing. Karmically, it happens. It'll work out. It's meant to be, even if it's good, even if it's bad, something comes out of it. Everything comes out positive. The universe wants us to be happy, but sometimes you have to have a chaotic shift so you can realign your life with the way you're supposed, the universe wants it. So we all get put in a weird place, but you know, it's just one of them things, man. I, I, whatever happens tomorrow, who knows? I'm not worried about being poor or losing jobs or. When did you start thinking like this, though? Uh, I think I've always had it, but the last five, six years, um, like I've always been a follower of the occult for the last 30 years or so. That's what I was trying to like, that's what I was trying to like connect the dots to, because I know we talked about in your first episode, like doing the sketchy kind of Freemasonry, the more mystical kind of unusual than the basic one that it is. And I was wondering if you start having this perception on life, like a lot of people talk about willing something into the universe or just you start having a different perspective than the norm of like you have to make your own actions or you have to do this or make this thing happen. You have more of a sense of everything kind of unfolds in a way that it's supposed to, which would cause you to join something like this to try and research what this cosmic force or this type of thing is. I was trying to connect the dots to that. Yeah, it, it was kind of and that's pretty much it. Um, so for since I was a teen. I, I was a Rome, I was Roman Catholic growing up. 
and Sorry. I was going to be a priest. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I still love Catholicism. I was at 14. I lost my religion. Started following the occult. Um, it waned a little bit in my middle 20s, 30s. About the time that I lost my mind in art, I refound the occult and witchcraft. And that actually was what I needed to focus my intentions and become a better, stronger person. But when, I'm still, you know. When did you start phasing out of the occult? Uh, no, I'm still 100%. <laughs> but you're not doing like the Freemason-like style thing. You're more now, doing your own kind of. Yeah, the Freemason thing was just. I was looking for a fraternity of people that I could just, you know, be part of. And I'm thinking, oh, Freemasonry, you know, maybe we'll have some beers. I'll learn all the uh, forbidden knowledge of the universe instead of it was a bunch of white guys that just had like fried chicken and shit. Yeah. So there was, it, it, yeah, no matter what anybody thinks about the Masons, it's not. Basically, what they do is high magic, the same thing the Crowley would do, Rosicrucians, Golden Dawn. It's the exact same thing. The difference is they don't know at this stage of Freemasonry that they do it. To them, it's, it's, uh, it's just something they read. They think it's an act, part of a play. And it's like, we're going to make good men better, but there's no spirituality involved with it. Kind of like LARPing. It is, it's LARPing, is all it is right now. Originally, it was high magic. Now it's just LARPing. Do you think it's like that now because it's just been so watered down, much like a lot of the stuff you see on television is a little bit watered down compared to what it used to be? Oh, 100%. 100%. And I don't like white people for the most part, <laughs> especially older white people. <laughs> Again, sorry. I just, uh, man, look, you, we saw, I love hip hop. I love everything to do with the streets. I love off the wall, weird shit, being stuck in a building with a hundred Southern old white guys is a serious bummer. Well, I just think you're not a big party guy. I mean, not party in the sense of like a giant congregation of people. You're more about a person that likes a small group, a good connectivity, like people you can actually connect with. Like, so you've been on my show multiple times. We're friends. You're part of the OOTB family. So that means anybody that's under that family branch on there as well, too. That's a group of people where if you message me, I would respond to you. If you need something, if you need help, if you need someone to talk to, that's what you're looking for. That's what everyone's looking for is to be able to fit in some place where in society, you might not feel accepted. I don't think anybody really feels accepted in society. I think if you truly feel accepted i don't think you know that you are i think you always feel lost no matter who you are if you're a suit and a tie if you're whatever society deems is acceptable or the normal you necessarily in your head don't fit into into, into the place and i think that's like that with everyone and i think that's what the major point of an identity crisis is but i just think that's because you might not be you might just be 
creating a reality that might not necessarily be there. Yeah, you know, I think you're right on the lost thing, man. Being lost and looking, just you're searching for a group of people. And like, this is great. Me and you, for the last year and a half, we're always messaging each other. Now I've got some really good people in my life. Um, But yeah, it's just, it, it took a long time of searching to finally find them. Yeah, I I think people just it's that instant gratification type thing. And I think it's like that with me too. Like I've been I've been spending less time on social media because it's just it's just tasking as hell. Like I'll answer a message back or something, but I, I only post and then I'm off of it. You just start to realize like what are you willing to lose and what are you willing to gain? So if you're willing to gain using social media, then you're going to lose possibly your own sanity in the process. And I started looking at things of like this morning, it's it's a 70 something degree day outside. It feels fucking fantastic. Just smelling the air. It's like, what do I lose when I just go right into my house and sit on my phone? I lose the aspect of maybe this moment. I'm not even going to remember, but it is a crucial moment into just your establishment or foundation of who you are as a person. And I don't mean to get all hippy dippy, go bang in the trees or whatever it is, but I just think there's a crucial aspect of like your own, mentality that ends up getting lost along the way. And I don't, I know people talk about like, well, the, once you turn into an adult and you get a real job or whatever, it beats you down, son. Well, I think that's because you lose aspects because time ends up being consumed by work. And when you're doing a job, you necessarily don't feel like you're comfortable or in the situation that you want to do. You lose aspects and moments of your life. And necessarily, I don't want to burn my clock off on something I don't really want to be doing. Yeah, out of like, I'm barely social media savvy, or do I really care? But there's about five people that I even use social media for you being one, a couple other bladesmiths, just so we can quickly text each other real quick. Um, but talking about social media, something I want to bring up. And you're the perfect age for it. So I'm, I'm on Instagram. 42. I'm 42. Your ass. Mm-hmm. 21. 23. Whatever. Dickhead. <laughs> Suck. Um, so man, look. So I'm I'll be I'm coming up on 50 this year. Next year. 49 now. There's something weird that I don't get. So you go on like Instagram reels. Mm-hmm. It, the only thing you see are like 18-year-old chicks doing provocative shit. That's your fucking algorithm, bro. All I see is alligator attacks. Dude, I want alligator attacks. Then fo- look up an out. Al- I follow nature versus metal. It's a great page. Has a lot of graphic animal content on there of like, you'll see a buffalo that was in a wildfire and all of his skins burned off and he's running down the street, still trying to charge a bear that's attacking him. And I'm like, fucking what? So you find they post stuff like that. So if you follow that page, your reels will end up changing. But like my reel is the one that showed me the Mike Tyson and the thing. These algorithms are fucking nuts, dude. And I don't think anyone realizes how horrible these things can be is because they're Alex Jones called it. He said these AI gods like three years ago, he's talking about AI gods taking over the world. These AI algorithms are a, a basically a spitting image of whoever created it or whoever that platform owner is. Facebook 
owns Instagram now. They're all the same. The algorithm is the same one that envisions what Mark Zuckerberg is. So you necessarily, if you hate your algorithm, you hate the fucking guy who created it, who it's in the basis of. Now these things just learn, dude. They just learn and adapt and show you. My algorithm is always like something different because I'm I'm following and I'm talking to so many different people where it's like, are you interested in the cult stuff? I like that, but I also want to know some JFK stuff. Okay, well, we got a taco that on Taco Tuesday. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's cool too. I like that one. Dude, mine is... And I don't even follow chicks on my Instagram. I follow knife makers. Do you talk about it? And like, I don't know, really. I can. If you talk like, about it, your I, phone I, hears that. Oh, God damn it. So it's anything that we probably said in this conversation, I guarantee you I'll get an ad for something about a blade or something. It'll show me a knife ad. My phone will do that. Yeah, that's weird. But anyway. Like, yeah, I don't have, I don't follow, I follow strictly knife makers or somebody funny. On my Instagram reels, it's chicks and punk rock memes, which I love the punk rock memes, so I'm good with that. But I'm looking at these chicks and they're all like, I guess, 18, 20. And it blows my mind because I'm like, this is what you're going to be known as for the rest of your life. And once you get 25 and a couple kids and you don't look anything like that, what kind of life are those people going to have? Well, it's like when who's going to um, follow them. Only fans uh, was going to ban sexual content. And then they realized like there's people on only fans that take a two minute video of their toes and post it up twice a week. And they make over a hundred thousand dollars a week. Get the fuck out of here. So you can't dude. You, yeah. That's real shit, dude. But you gotta be hot, man. You can't just be like a, a fucking like, trash bag like me or you no offense you're a beautiful person uh, but. <laughs> i thought i'm like i'm just sorry like an only fans of like me sitting in a lawn chair just drinking beer what you should do and i just thought of this is because i watched a whole bunch of videos this of this last night because i never sleep so i watched dude you would be the perfect person to tell my dream to hang on a second you got to remind me about that i was saving it for my neuroscientist friend who's coming on but you might actually be the perfect person to exp actually it might be too dark we might have to talk off air um no i'm really good i'm really good at dream interpretation okay so the reels for instance i was watching a bunch of videos of welding reels where they showed like a, it was probably like a good day or a couple days long process but they mashed it up into five minutes and it showed them make a mask from squid games using like a metal torch using all these types of molds and things you should do that with your art like just have a body cam and videotape you making a knife or doing whatever or have a mounted camera your phone recording and just do the whole process of you making the knife and then when you go to edit it just put it on like times three speed or times five speed and have it zoomed up real quick it's soothing people like seeing something hot cherry red going into water seeing smoke come out of it pulling out they like to see a finished product yeah you know what i thought about it i just don't have the savvy of doing it i like i need somebody that can like i can just go here make this look cool i don't know how to do any of that shit yeah but you make a very good product when you get done with it uh, no, with that, but I don't know how to do the video stuff. You just got to get a good camera, probably like 50 bucks or something, and then just mount it, man. You're going to, once you start doing it, you'll end up learning more. It's like when you made your first knife, you necessarily weren't that, yeah. maybe that good, but you end up getting so good now to where you can make a knife like it's nothing. Yeah, I could have probably get the podcast kid to 
my son to do it. But what's his podcast called? Oh, uh, Glass Half Full Moon. Glass Half. What's it about? It is because we're big horror fans in the house. Yeah. Um, Full Moon Productions. Uh, really B grade movies. They did like the ones you would have heard of, uh, Puppet Master, Puppet Master One, Two, Three, uh, Evil Bong, all sorts of these like low budget horror movies. They just do commentary of just strictly full moon movies. <laughs> and like that. Is it, yeah, he's re- it's really good. It's real surprisingly. First time I listened, I'm like, "Who is this talking?" And it was it was the boy, my son. I couldn't even believe it. It was so good. I I wonder if it's kind of like that movie Rubber that was on Netflix, which was about a tire that just killed people. Yeah, it could. It, that's kind of about the same quality. It's a dumb as shit concept, but the movie was good as hell. Yeah, no, I love the movies. It's just they're really terrible. If you're not like mm. a diehard horror fan you're not it's like hammer films or anything else you um toxic avenger films the same thing have you seen you the new, love um, them, have you seen the new halloween no my wife did last night i haven't every, had a chance to watch it yet everyone says it's horrible i asked her how it was and she just gave me this halloween movie it was all right and she loves halloween that's like her character that she loves is michael myers they said Danny McBride just didn't fit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right, huh? I don't know. It, you know, they said it was really funny. They laughed through all of it. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Well, something unpredicted happened is that after Adam Sandler's uncut gems, people started realizing that actors actually might have, like if he's a comedic actor, he actually might have serious potential in him. So that's why we have Danny McBride in Halloween and necessarily might not have worked out. I just think it's a select few that are that good, not all of them. And I think everyone thinks now it's like, maybe everybody has this capability of being this awesome thing. I'm like, I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. everybody, man. See, I like, I love Danny McBride and I kind of, I love what he does. That's like Rob Zombie. People don't like Rob Zombie movies or Rob Zombie's Halloween. I thought it was a great movie. He's a good musician. He is. So I, I, Sebastian Bach isn't a good uh, is a isn't a good politician, but he's a good music artist. <laughs> for one album, I lost faith in him, or I lost respect for him, even if my middle name is after him, because I watched him. Someone commented like, "You're just like a wash up," and he just goes, "That's why I've made more money." And he just referenced records that he made back in the day, like thirty years ago. And then the guy mm-hmm. just commented, "But what do you do now?" That's it. That's exactly it. He's just you want to love the guy. We like in the eighties. God damn, he was beautiful. He was a fucking Adonis, man just everything about him but his personality was absolute dog shit and it still is i didn't get aged out did it no he was goddamn sexy as fuck everyone loved sebastian bach you see you see how i can tell like at one point i thought you were gay before you told me you had a wife because you say sexy as fuck and it's like dude i could look at a guy any time ago that i brad pitt in his heyday 
Well, that's you Holy can't com- you can't do those comparisons of Brad Pitt and Ryan oh. Reynolds. Dude, well, Ryan Reynolds, beautiful body. I don't know about this so much, but yeah. Tom right. Cruise in his heyday. Tom on. Cruise, really? Those motherfuckers were sexy. I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, they had, they had frat looks though. They didn't have like, I don't know. See the. Come on. The looks of society have changed. Like it's went from like alpha male looks to now it's like beta male looks. It is. It is. But Brad Pitt and Fight Club. Come on. Like if your jawline wasn't stronger than like. I don't know, wasn't longer than your nose is. Now it's like your face has to be round and it has to be childlike Mm -hmm. and people love that. Oh, good. That's perfect for me. You don't have a childlike face, though. Yeah, but it's old, but it's still round and fat. No, nah, it's a good face. Yeah. You could star in a couple I, of movies. See, that's what I'm saying. I need that that push. I need I gotta get my horror movie on. I got one guest in movie position. I can hopefully get you one. See? Well, that wasn't my the doing. The guy she direct she wanted to start out for a film, and the guy who was going to cast her was like, Do you have any content online? I can see like a different side of you than this one. And she goes, Yeah, there's this. And then he found the podcast episodes and saw those. And then hopefully one day they'll look up like if you look up your name right now, your episodes of my podcast are gonna pop up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just don't go back in the, the way way back machine. I don't want any of that shit to come up. What's the older stuff? Did you have like a grunge mixtape out there I should listen to? Oh, painful. I don't want to talk about it. Murder! <laughs> Luckily, my band, had, old band has no, uh, nothing out in social media. That was before the age of social media. It was. Thank God. That's why I wish there was like no social media now. I was like, imagine all the stuff I could have before social media became a thing. Dude, it was so awesome back then. You'd go search out shows. And... Do you think it's going to die out, though? Do you think eventually people are just going to kind of get sick of it with the amount of, like, hate that is always constantly being pushed at it? No. People need something. They need to be tribal. They need something to hate. They need something to be angry about. It's never going to go away. Well, it's going to get bigger. With every Burning Man, there has to be someone that they put up um, to look as their savior. Yeah, it's not going to work, though, man. It's always going to be us against them. It's just ridiculous. Dude, I can't even take it. That's why I kind of stay so low-key. It's too much too much anger. <laughs> you just funnel that anger into making basement knives. Dude, I'm telling you, because I'm an angry person, and I can't allow that person any kind of fuel. Have you ever so thought? I just of, had, have you ever thought about sending clips of yourself to like just movie producers or people that are just making like side projects and stuff? No, well, I've thought, but I, it's one of the ones where I don't understand the process or what it need, what I need to do. So I just kind of have never done it. You could just—it'll get... fall in my lap like it always does. Oh damn! All right, okay, can't. We it just always talk... does. <laughs> okay, that's—I mean—that's one way of thinking about it. You just put the intention out in the universe, it comes back to you. If you end up starring in a major motion picture and you end up like getting famous, I'm going to be like, I knew him then. <laughs> I will never be famous, Jack. Shit. Mm-hmm. I'm just that guy. It, this it, is my character. 
<laughs> he wasn't a good famous. He killed a bunch of sea whales. <laughs> <laughs> Made a lots of purses. Killing sea whales. You know, something to be said for that, I guess. Shows your character. Yeah. Content of yeah. your character. He's making purses for the children. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, make lamps out of human skin, you know. Oh my God. Now I'm just going to, it'll happen sooner or later. Everything falls into place. Aaron, you've given me enough of your time, man. Is there a place where people can find your forage, your social links, your sites, anywhere they can order one of your exclusive knives to hopefully soothe themselves or whittle themselves a stick and then hopefully rob a bank with the stick? Yeah. NobleSavageForge.com, NobleSavageForge on Instagram. Please follow me. I'll make sure I link it all in the description. And thanks for listening to this episode of Battle of the Blind.